folks, to celebrate the Easter season. I've been holding my breath that whole time, man. That was that was a doozy. That was a hard one. That was a miracle, right. Nathan. Yeah. Ooh, that was goody. almost an act of God that you held your breath for four months. Four months, man. David Blaine over here. Suck it. And uh, I got to say, in that time, a lot of things have happened. Have they? New jobs. Have they? New worlds. New microchips embedded in my blood. Got that 5G. And uh, I wanted to to ring in the holy month, Nathan, with a with a story of faith, because I've, I think I've been converted, if I may. I've, I've been a largely non-spiritual person, but... I've read something magnificent. Spencer read the Bible. We're we're taking a pivot on this show, ladies and gentlemen. Season four is Spencer's religious revival. <laughs> Prepare to be washed under the waters of my baptism. Will because the circle be unbroken? Nathan, there have been a lot of saints throughout history. I'm sure you would agree. There have. In fact, uh, modern estimates claim more than 10,000 people have been canonized in Christianity. That seems too many. It does seem too many. I'd say make it a more exclusive club. Statistically speaking, at this point, you're getting some hooligans in the club and you can't have that. There are some profound and interesting numbers to be found there. Uh, Interesting people, for sure. Nathan, you're a red-blooded voice for the proletariat. Did you know that Tsar Nicholas II was a saint? Uh, and you have now completely ruined the entire system. What is he? What? How? What? Who? What? No. No. Uh, What? No. The... Patron saint of getting killed to shit. Getting murked? Absolutely fucking it up so royally that you lead to the great proletarian revolution? Yeah, good job, Nikki. Getting back alleyed. That's his... Great saint of getting cucked by Rasputin? Yeah, good work, Nick. Or did you know that only 78 popes were canonized as saints? That seems... The fact that Tsar Nicholas got in and an actual popes (laughs) did not, that is the ultimate bitch move. That is such a, such a bitch move. Did you know that St. Balthazar of Egypt is the patron saint of playing cards. Now, when you say playing cards, does that mean he is technically the patron saint of Yu-Gi-Oh? Because I am very here for St. Balthazar if that is the case. All of them. Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm sure Digimon had a card game and does he was digital, on it. Do digital card games count or are they distinct? Because then he's the patron saint of Hearthstone as well. Yes. It's important. All right. All right. Balthazar's my man. Digital, spiritual, physical, you name it. Any playing cards, he's on them. Good to know. You thank St. Balthazar for that fun flappy noise that your back spokes made. <laughs> Nathan, I didn't know many of these, but I also didn't stumble onto today's story by just scrolling the alphabetical list of saints. Like all things biblical, some of these characters left behind some interesting tales. Interesting tales indeed. I found one such biography, Nathan, of a very, very accomplished saint, and I thought, well, I can't just keep this for little old me. <laughs> I would love to find it a, a, an unaccomplished saint. I want a saint that just really coasted by on their laurels and didn't really do much. Sir Nicholas II. Touche. Touche. Hold on a second. Hang on a hot diggity fucking second. Aren't mm-hmm. saints, don't they have to have done miracles? Actual miracles? Like, that's the whole thing, right? To get canonized, they have to prove that you did a miracle or you can't get canonized. Weirdly enough, they didn't really put the criteria on the top of the alphabetical list. I'm so. pretty sure... Like the Far qualifications for canonization involve a miracle. Um, like I'm almost positive. I thought that being a saint was more or less becoming an Eagle Scout for Christ, which is already Christly in a way, but still. A life of his. So- Step four, verified miracles. It's right there. <laughs> One, let's not even get into the fact that they have to be verified, but verified <laughs> miracles and a life of heroic virtue. It's 100% because they were martyred. 
Oh, come on. That is it. That's it. Yeah. It's it's for the fact that the Bolsheviks killed him. They got they got the martyr treatment. This is some nonsense. The Bolsheviks did not kill them because they were Christians. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> killed no. them because they were fuck asses to the nth degree. They killed them because they were fuck asses also to usher in the great proletarian revolution. Bear in mind, Nathan and everybody, um, that pretty much the only source for today is a book written about a hundred years after this particular man died, um, written by a group of monks that wanted to preserve his incredible legacy. So oh it's the equivalent of what <laughs> us writing a biography of Abraham Lincoln right now. And that being our only source apocryphal at worst, hilarious at best. Yeah. Nathan, December 7th, 521 AD. Oh dear. This is an oldie, but a goodie. A little boy by the name of Crimthan was born in the Gaelic kingdom already of Tyrconnell. Already. Already. Crimthan? That's that's a made-up British name. That's the name that you make up for British people. Do not insult the Irish to, oh, by delegating oh, okay. their ancient names to the British. Touche. 32 Do County, not. Ireland. Let's go. Our little Crimthan was the newborn babe of a tribal chieftain named Mancanava and his wife Athena, or Athena, one of the two. I, I mean, already, if your mom's named Athena, you're doing pretty good. Now, I know it's 521 AD, and I said he's the son of a tribal chieftain. This is an important time to remind people that the word tribe is remarkably, loosely, carelessly thrown around to the point that it's like a derogatory thing nowadays um, oh, yeah. and bel belittles anything down to loincloth and club. Um Saying that he's the son of a tribal chieftain in this case is basically being the son of a mayor. Um, they're not necessarily running around with clubs and shit. In fact, both of his parents were like pretty highfalutin, like they had royal ancestry in Ireland. All right. Now, well, so they're, they're like, he's like Bodicea's great great grandchild or something like that. Great, 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 <laughs> sure. great. Yeah. He was born specifically in the parish of Gartan. Gerton? Gerton where he was baptized and given the name Crimthan, but that wouldn't always be his name. So often of was Crimthan seen praying at this very same parish that he would be nicknamed Comchile, meaning Dove of the Church. Uh, all right, all right, church dove. Often shortened to, yeah, often shortened to just Com. Um, the Latin extrapolation Columba would eventually become his better known name. Wait, wait, wait. is this, are you going to tell me the story of Columbo right now? What, are we going to do a one more thing? Is Peter Falk getting involved in this story? Does anyone listening to this podcast know what Columbo is except me? Or am I just screaming into a void like always? Just Only me? half the hosts know what you're talking just about. Just me? All right. All those Columbo yeah. heads out there, get at me. You know. So our star character here is a church boy in uh, 6th century Ireland. Okay. This is about a hundred years after the return of St. Patrick to Ireland. Um, oh. Someone better known as the Enlightener of Ireland, or that guy who was never actually canonized. Christianity wait, wait, wait. was in Saint, its... St. Patrick was never canonized? Nope. Just kind of, he got like the honorary treatment, but no, never officially canonized. Mm, okay. All right. Already yep. I'm starting to lose faith in the system. Another fun fact from the alphabetical list of saints. <laughs> There's more where that comes from, folks. Keep him coming. I'm a hotbed for it. Christianity was in its infancy in Ireland, where paganism was still thick in the moss and black stone. And it was St. Patrick who was credited with bringing Christianity to the greater territories of Ireland. Well, St. Patrick and St. Columba, that is. He was destined for great things, many a holy touchdown, but this was not unexpected. 
His religious fervor and importance was first indicated when his mother, Athena, was visited by an angel while pregnant with Columba. Oh, good! In this vision, vision, dream, uh, actual angelic visit, whatever you want to call it, All the equally angel likely. came to Athena. The angel came to Athena with a robe in hand of unparalleled beauty. Then, he summoned forth a wind and blew that shit away. <laughs> Quote, disappointed at this strange proceeding. <laughs> like, yeah, what, what the fuck was the what robe the for? What was all that for? She asks the angel why she couldn't just have the robe. And he just says, quote, you're not permitted to have the robe. Why did you show me the robe then? The, the robe's gone. We're not talking about the robe. Shut up and listen. The robe is gone. The book literally says that as the angel keeps talking, she can't stop looking at that awesome robe as it proceeds to fly away into the sky the and become so large, it overtakes the mountains and the sky. It's the fucking a beautiful, it's the, the American beauty trash bag or paper plastic bag scene, but with a bitchin' ass robe. And also the robe's like covering the mountains, Also I guess. the robe is it's becoming getting... a sensitive Akira style figure, yes, but that's that's more, more on that later. The angel says to her, woman, grieve not. For you shall bring forth a son who will guide innumerable souls to heaven and be counted among the prophets of the Most High. Bitchin'. And so our sweet Jesus boy, Columba, prays and prays and prays and prays to the point that by his 20s, he's deemed uh, by Cruthanon, the priest that baptized him, quote, already ripe for heaven. The same priest reportedly said that one night when Columba had returned home from some pious errand, I don't know what that means, but uh, feet, various feet washings, blessings of the people. He ran the holy groceries. He weed whacked the holy lawn. I don't. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, above his head was a magnificent globe of divine fire that hovered delicately, filling the room with serene and perfect light. Um, now, Nathan, I see your face. Uh, excuse, me? Yes. excuse me. Excuse <laughs> me. Yes. Uh, his his p <laughs> basically priest boss. Drops by his priest apprentice's house and finds that there's a giant ass ball of fire over his head. Now, why is this priest trying to cast a spirit bomb? I'm very confused. Here's the thing. Columba had no hand in it. He did not summon it. He didn't even know it was there. <laughs> wait, the, wait, wait, the wait. Cruthanon. He didn't summon the flaming sphere? Oh my! Spencer, nope. I'm shocked! <laughs> I yeah. You're not telling please. me the story of a sorcerer? I don't know if sorcerers know get flaming sphere, but I assume they do. Maybe it's only a wizard spell. <laughs> what actually happened was Columba looked up and said, damn, how'd that get there? Meanwhile, Cruthanon literally drops to hands and knees, it awestruck by his pupil's giant fire globe. I mean, a burning bush got enough for, to have a whole story in the Bible. I would think a magic sentient globe of fire would would definitely qualify. Yes. See, this is the sort of miracle shit to get you canonized, not getting murked by the Bolsheviks. What's wild to me is I feel like this man's already got, like, I think 200% more literal biblical miracles going on than just about anybody but Jesus himself. I mean, John Paul II was baptized, and I saw that motherfucker on TV. I know he wasn't doing no miracles. <laughs> that withered old soul had to have at least had one giant fireball above his head. At least. I, I just, I can't. And if you think Lighthouse Head is the end of his magic, buckle the fuck up, because Ireland's not going to know what hit it. 
For some time, he studied under St. Finian, another renowned Irish priest. Is he also canonized next- or not? Is this just another fake saint, an honorary saint? Is, in fact, canonized. Okay. St. Finian's legit. Sticker still on. Just saran wrap, the whole nine yards. For the next several years, he studied under St. Finian and another priest in Britain, before returning to begin his Jesus Youth Quest across Ireland. His teachings in Ireland drew many young converts to its ranks with such speed that he leveled up to priesthood and then a deaconship. Oh, shit. With this comes another miracle. He's overdue at this point, really. Oh, yeah. No, you got to Come on, baby. Bust another one out. See, there was a real rager coming up and the church needed some wine. I don't actually know what any of this shit is. I think it was like the Eucharist, some festival of the Eucharist. Could just be a Sunday. They drink a lot of it on Sunday. They do drink a lot. And they were like, damn, the wine's gone. Or damn, ye wine's gone. So Columba runs to the well outside, grabs up a bucket of water, and he just starts praying. He's just just praying like shit over this bucket. He's trying to pull an OG Jesus miracle out the bag. Lo and behold, his parish finds him ecstatic in the village streets, because Chaboy just prayed water into wine. I mean, it was good enough for Jay-Z himself. Miracle two. Actually, miracle three. Hang on. No, I'm going to count Angelic Visit as miracle one. Now, to be clear. that happened to his mom, not him. I feel like life begins at conception. All right, I don't Um, like this turn we're taking as a podcast. (laughs) This is the new me, Nathan. You got to get used to it. Now, to be clear, he's not blaspheming and saying that he turned water into wine. He's just saying that Jesus gave me this wine. No, I called in a favor. JC came through. So at age 25, he takes two miracles as a sign and decides, uh, I gotta expand. Well, yeah. Fortunately, a princely cousin of his happens to donate him a parcel of land in Dury. He begins overseeing the construction of not just one, but several monasteries across Ireland, growing that religious empire from coast to coast if he can help it. According to the texts, now, he on. made it to a strong let's, let's point. Let's be clear. This is happening in Dairy, yes? Correct. Is this guy going to be the patron saint of the IRA? Because I'm all here for it if we're going to have the patron saint of the IRA on the podcast. We, man, I'll, I'll bust out you black and tans again. Let's go, baby. Since he's branching out uh, so hard, he approaches one of his superiors from the old priest academy and gets himself ordained. So he's authorized to do any and all special ceremonies in that region. Basically, he's just carved out a slice of Ireland and made himself the CEO of Jesus in the region. Right, in I mean, fact, that This older manuscript says that, uh, according to its ancient sources, (laughs) this old friend of his gave such a glowing endorsement of Columba that he recommended he be brought to the rank of bishop. Oh, shit. Tragically, though, those instructions were missed by the Catholic Church, according to this monk who wrote his biography. Uh, Whoops. Whoops. You missed missed the part of my recommendation letter where it said I should be the Pope. (laughs) Weird. Did you not see me do the water into wine trick? Columbia speculated that this mistake was divine providence and that he was destined for a life of humble servitude as a mere priest. So he he takes that no promotion in stride. Uh, You know, a a good man, you know, don't get don't get butthurt about it. Just work on and you'll you'll get recognized, I'm sure. But I speculate there's another reason they didn't want him to ascend so quickly. See, Columbia was getting something of a reputation in the area, um, let's take this for example. Around 560 or so, Columba was then overseeing some 30 monasteries. He also had a major beef with a Catholic by the name of St. Finian. Wait. The very same man. Oh, it's a Master Padawan. It's an Anakin Obi-Wan situation. Tell you what, this guy did not uh, fall to hands and knees at another head fireball. 
this guy had a completely different view on his apprentice. Um, see, the very same man had taught him the art of translating surviving early Christian texts from Greek and Latin to Gaelic. Uh, with the express purpose of taking him back to Ireland, converting the masses, so on and so forth. It was during this time, you know, some like 20 years ago, um, that Columba had nabbed a copy of Jerome's Vulgate from the Book of Psalms, and he did his own translation of it for Gaelic. He took that translation, not the original manuscript, and brought it back to Ireland so that Columba could spread its first Gaelic interpretation. Problem is, he did this without telling Finian, who did the exact same thing on his own time. So imagine his frustration when he gets to Ireland and finds that so many people already know the stories he's telling them and that that scamp Columba stole his righteous street cred out oh, from under no. his nose. Oh, no. Yeah. So for 20 years, he proceeds to hound Columba to give him the copied manuscript, as he alleged Columba had basically committed theft. Okay. Columba, as I'd like to think anybody would in this scenario, said, what are you talking about? How is that theft? <laughs> That's not how this works, my dude. Finian argues that he owned the original, uh, and therefore he owned the copy that Columba made. Therefore, it was not his to disperse. I love the concept of intellectual property rights in the 600s. And in faith. Like, isn't your whole fucking point that you just want to spread the shit? Why do you Why do you care if you own it? I mean, that's how I, I, I've played Civ 6. They are not really picky about who's spreading the word. Finian, tattletale bitch that he was, eventually went to King Dermot Maxerbel and asked him for a ruling. Oh, no. Cut the manuscript in half, and then we'll decide the true parent. <laughs> Who's the real parent? The king famously ruled, quote, To every cow belongs her calf, therefore to every book belongs its copy. Um. Um. <laughs> a, a landmark ruling in copyright, if I might say so. Which, I might add, say. quite literally might be the first copyright dispute in recorded human history. I was about to say, this feels like the great, 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 great grandfather of Metallica and all of their nonsense. Columba disagreed again <laughs> as with he, a king. As he's want to. Hey, uh, did that king turn water into wine or have a flaming orb head? I think not. No, no, he certainly did not. He argued that he needed that copy in order to spread the good word. And since he was to be robbed of his ability to convert more Gaelics, Columba did what anyone would and uh, rallied a tribe to uh, open rebel against the king. Yeah, like you do. Like you do. I should clarify that Columba did have a little bit of a beef with the king already. There's this Gaelic sport called hurling, and I promise these two items are related. Okay, good to know. Which is basically Ireland's ancient football. Oh, okay. Earlier that year, a man by the name of Kiernan had fatally injured a rival player. This rival player had allegiance to the king, like close ties to him, uh, during one of these games of hurling. Now, Kiernan, fearing for his life, sought sanctuary at Columbus Church. The king allegedly sent heavily armed men into that building, ripped the man from Columbus' arms like he's a wee babe, and executed him outside. So, yeah, no, it'll happen. Not, you know, not great. Certainly doesn't paint a good reputation. Bad, bad first impression. So for violating the holy right of sanctuary, Columbus said, strike one, king. For uh, copyright striking his book, strike two. 
And let me tell you, there's no strike three in her length, Nathan. <laughs> Kingy had to go. Okay, I wasn't aware. Of, I thought this was, okay. It's not a baseball derivative style game. Uh, so I, <laughs> the battle, <clears throat> the battle of the book took place that same year. When Columba rallied the uh, Weenel tribe to march against a detachment of the king's forces. There's, there's about to be a battle over a copyright claim on a book. I mean, it's a good book. The tribe had a resounding victory, actually, in their rebellion. Hell yeah! But at the cost of 3,000 lives. Oh, uh, that's less good. Yeah, 3,000 dead, dying, out on the fields here over a book. Columba's role in this was not missed by anybody, least of all the Catholic Church. A council of bishops called for him to be executed for culpability. Eh. But instead, they and the High King of Ireland landed on exile. So, Columba, along with 12 other bros, were banished from Ireland soil in a little boat sailing north. What is north of Ireland? Is that, is that Scotland? Yeah. That's Scotland. Yeah. Okay, all right, we're going to go hang out with Nessie. The exact ruling from the High King was that uh, Columba was to never again see his homeland. Oh. With 12 companions, 12 bros, he sailed from the shores that he loved and settled on a bleak island called Iona off the coast of Scotland. Hmm. The monks there made occasional visits to Scottish mainland where they preached their Christianity. Uh, soon, the community had 150 followers. Uh, you know, that's that's enough to uh, that's enough for a party. In 575, Columba was persuaded to visit Ireland to mediate a dispute between the High King and the League of Poets. This is like what 15 years after he's been exiled. They're like, if there's one guy that can solve this, that can solve this <laughs> dispute between the King and the League of Poets, the League of Poets, a the the least impressive of the superhero leagues. To be fair. It, Nathan, they are so fearsome that the High King needs a dude who he exiled 15 years ago to come mediate an argument with them. Clearly, they are a force to be reckoned with. Clearly. The diss tracks they can drop. Insisting on remaining faithful to the terms of his exile, Columba agreed to come back if he was blindfolded the whole time. Because can't he his can't homeland. see his homeland. And he's real, he's a stickler for the rules. If he, Nathan, if he breaks a royal decree, he can't go to heaven. And God damn it, he's made it this far. I, <laughs> okay, all right. I should add, by the way, uh, for his like Christly escapades across Scotland, he was on a journey that he had been supposedly given by the Catholic Church. They were like, we're going to exile you. In lieu of killing you, we deem that if you're going to get into heaven, you're going to have to save as many souls as you killed. So um, go make 3,000 Christians. Damn. All right. Clock's ticking. <laughs> Clock's ticking. Road trip, boys. Can we convert Nessie? Does Nessie count as two? You're going to be so pleasantly surprised later. And so he spoke to the assembled nobles with a blindfold. And... <laughs> Uh, and with such force and authority, the king was persuaded to reverse his original decree against the poets, and the hostility between the two parties was calmed. He squashed that beef. He squashed that beef. Now, that's what a history book would say, um, which, uh, I mean, what I read insists that he made the sign of the cross at the king's gates, and the gates magically flew open, and uh, everybody clapped, God was feared, and Columba waved his de-arguing stick, and everybody got along. All right, so he's cast, at this point, Flaming Sphere. Yes. 
He just made the sign of the cross and opened the door. He cast Mage Hand. Yes, or Knock, but I'll I'll argue. Yeah. I'd say um, Mage. Yeah, knock unlocks the door. Does it throw it open? I don't know. Calm Emotion. Calm Emotion. That's up. what I was just about to say. He cast Calm Emotion. Or Friends, one of the two. I mean, this, yeah. is, this, I mean, is, this is a wizard. This is a wizard. It gets hard to pick some of my um, favorite excerpts about the life of Columba. I was I was telling you before we started recording, this is one of those stories that I was running up to the clock, running into yet more and yet more bullshit St. Columba absolutely did, and nobody's lying about this. To the point that I was like, I cannot keep synthesizing these. I'm just going to whole ass cut three chapters out of his life story. <laughs> <clears throat> Here are three of my favorites. Okay. Chapter 27. How a wild boar was destroyed through his prayers. What? That's the title. Okay. At this rate, I'm going with Shatter. I, I mean, it's the only one that makes sense at this point. I'm going with I'll Shatter. I'll give you a hint. It's not an AR-15. <laughs> that would be if he needed to take out 30 to 50 wild boars. On one occasion, when the blessed man was staying some days in the Sea and Islands, uh, he left the brethren and went alone a little farther than usual to pray. Entered a dense forest he met, a huge wild boar that happened to be pursued by hounds. As soon as the saint saw him at some distance, he stood looking intently at him. Then, raising his holy hand and invoking the name of God in fervent prayer, he said to it, Thou shalt proceed no further in this direction. Perish in the spot which thou hast now reached. Don't, don't come over here. Die. <laughs> Die. Is this finger of death at this point? What is he doing? At the sound of these words... The terrible brute was not only unable to proceed farther, but by the efficacy of his word, immediately fell dead before the face. Yeah, no, yeah, that's finger of death. That's, that's, he's not messing around. Yeah. It went no further and he did die. He killed a boar with prayer. As for the beasts that were pursuing it, the chapter does not specify. I'm assuming he had spent spell slots and he retreated for yeah, camp. Yeah, hightail it back, baby. Get out of those dense woods. Uh, here's another one. Chapter 17. Of the driving out of a demon that lurked in a milk pail. Interesting. At another time, a certain youth named Columban, grandson of Brian, came forward hurriedly and stopped... <laughs> grandson of Brian. Grandson of Brian. And stopped at the door of the little cell in which the blessed man was riding. This same person, being on his way home from the milking of the cows and carrying on his back a vessel full of new milk... Don't like the term new milk. Don't love it. Don't love it at all. Asked the saint to bless his burden. As he usually did. This is a common occurrence. Hey, St. Columba, got that fresh milk. Got the new milk. Pew, 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 pew. Holy milk. Thanks, man. <laughs> Just keeps on. The saint, being at the time some distance away in front of him, raised his hand and formed the saving sign in the air. The bar, which fastened the lid of the pail, being pushed back through the two openings that received it, was shot away to a great distance, while the lid fell to the earth, and the greater part of the milk was spilled upon the ground. You hate to see oh, it. Oh, not the new milk! The young lad was then laid down to the vessel, with the little milk that remained on the ground, kneeled in prayer. The saint said to him, quote, Rise up, Columban, for thou hast acted negligently in thy work today, inasmuch as thou didst banish the demon that lurked in the bottom of the empty vessel by forming on it the sign of the cross of our Lord. This being done, the half-empty pail, which the saint had blessed, was found the same instant, filled by divine agency, and the little that had previously remained in the bottom was at once increased under the blessing of his holy hand so as to fill it to the brim. He made more milk? 
He made more milk. Also, he deduced there was a demon in that. Not a rat. No, not a rat. There was a demon in there. There was milk. a demon. And he cast out that demon and made more milk. Channel divinity. This guy is multi-classing like a motherfucker right now. And I is there a is there a create water but for milk? Mm, Maximilian's mm. create two percent. Yep, yep. No, I'm going with it. So yeah, uh, drove away a demon, made some milk. Allow me to bring forth my. I couldn't get the chapter number on this one, oh. but uh, <clears throat> quote concerning a certain water beast driven away by the power of the Spe- blessed Spencer? man's prayer. Spencer. No, no, you I don't. told you. Don't you dare. I told you. Don't you fucking dare. Also, at another time, when the blessed man was for a number of days in the province of the Picts, he had to cross the river Ness. Yes. <laughs> As in of the river, uh, uh, the river flowing from the Lake Loch Ness. When lie reached its oh, bank, shit. he saw a poor fellow being buried by the other inhabitants, and the barrier said that while swimming not long before, he had been seized and most savagely bitten by a water beast. <laughs> a water beast. A water beast. Some men, going to his rescue in a wooden boat, though too late, had put out hooks and caught hold of his wretched corpse. Rude. When the blessed man heard of this, he ordered, notwithstanding, that one of his companions should swim out and bring back to him, by sailing, a boat that stood on the opposite bank. That go, go, go get the fucking skipper. We gotta, we gotta get him. Give me the boat. We gotta banish Nessie. Hearing this order of the holy and memorable man, Lugni uh, Mochumin, obeyed without delay, and putting off his clothes, accepting his tunic, plunged into the water. Now, again, this is not St. Columbo. He's watching on the shore. He's telling this guy, strip down, get in there. Go go get in there. He's literally baiting a dude. He's like, all right, there's a beast in that water. All right, bro, get in there. He's a big worm. Get him out. Big worm. Big dude worm. Big old worm. Big old dude worm. So the monster, whose appetite had been earlier not so much sated as wetted for the prey, lurked in the depth of the river. Feeling the water above disturbed by this big old dude worm swimming, it suddenly swam up to the surface, and with its gaping mouth and great roaring, rushed towards the man, swimming in the middle of the stream. While all that were there, barbarians and even the brothers alike, were struck down with extreme terror, Columba, the blessed man, was not deterred. He was watching. He raised his holy hand and drew the saving sign of the cross in the empty air, and then, invoking the name of God, commanded the savage beast and said, You will go no further. Do not touch the man. Turn back speedily. I'd like to point out, he commanded the boar to die right where it stood. This one, just turn around. You can't turn around a water beast like that, though. That's a much higher CR encounter. You're not just going to be able to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not Michael Phelps up against the back wall. He can't reverse course that much. No, Columba, you're asking too much. Turn undead. Also, his, but his appetite was only wedded. Loch Ness monster. Charm beast. Charm, Charm beast. beast. Then, hearing this command of the saint, the beast, as if pulled back with ropes, fled, terrified in swift retreat. Although it had before approached so close to the big old dude worm as he swam that there was no more than the length of one short pole between the man and the beast. Worst analogy I've ever read in ye olde text. <laughs> you could have said, like, there was not but a hair between them, but, like, nah, the best you got. There was not but the length of a, like, a short pole, you know, like a, a three short to four pole, foot you know, pole. You know, like, the smaller poles you use, not a regular size pole, a short pole. Bigger than a rod, shorter than, like, a long or, pole. Or maybe, more specifically, they were talking about, like, an uh, a four foot tall Polish man. Um, that's also <laughs> an option that we didn't consider because that would be a short pole. 
Then, seeing that the beast had withdrawn and that their fellow soldier Lugni had returned to them unharmed and safe in the boat, the brothers with great amazement glorified God and the blessed man. Basically, he inspired, uh, a, he, he recruited a gaggle of barbarians because uh, he he drove away the Loch Ness Monster while they were trying to bury their, so their bro. The Loch Ness Monster's what, like a thousand years old now? It's an immortal, immortal yeah, water beast? Like, yeah, like 1600 years old, if you really yeah, want to. all right, Th- all This right. is, I, Nathan, I really, really wish there weren't weirdos who take this as like, that's it. That was the Loch Ness Monster. That was it, though, dude. Look, it's in this book that's full of other shit that's been absolutely made up. <laughs> Look, the guy the guy banished a demon from the milk, then he saw the Loch Ness Monster. I don't know what to tell you. Killed a boar where he stood. <laughs> anyway, that's why we need a LiDAR scanner. Please, I just need $3,000. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> let's, just, let's just get one of those scanners those from the are... last episode we did. <laughs> I don't fucking remember it. Tracker. But for Loch Ness Beast, what's what's great about that is like it ju- it just says water beast and it's like th- it's like five sentences. I'll be at run on sentences, but it's five sentences. Not a one of them actually describes what that thing looked like. And yet people still a water beast. It's depicted by like scholars and monks that illustrated this this biography. This guy like illustrated it as a like a like a manticore it was like a lion with a dude's face that was like swimming through the water why would that be a thing that swims in the water none of those are aquatic beasts the artistic liberties of medieval monks really should have been kept in check also shit was also, off the rails they were too horny can we just can we admit it can we call it now they were too horny way too canceled horny. way too horny canceled old school monastic monks they could not draw like a like a letter o without it being like a i don't know a dude sucking his own dick it had like, to be it's it, the it, only oh, this way it worked i need a letter l okay can it be like hear me out like a like a snail that's like got a boner though <laughs> Can it, could I, hang on. I know you asked for the letter Q. <laughs> what if I did like a divine halo? With a dick. And also there's there's like a dick going through it for there's the a, line. There's a dick. Anyway, here's uh, two slugs jousting. <laughs> I will not explain myself. <laughs> Fuck you. I am an artist. I wanted to be a thespian, but daddy sent me to the monastery. <laughs> now I'm a eunuch. I had to shave my head like this, and now it's your problem. <laughs> If uh, stupid fancy history books are to be believed, Columbus spent the rest of his life in Iona uh, praying, fasting, and teaching his monks to read and copy the scriptures, which I love that line specifically because it's like, fuck you, copyright. You're going to copy every book I give you. All of it. He is I am the pirate bay. (laughs) He provided inspiration for their missionary efforts and was influential for a time in the politics of Scotland. I'm not even going to touch that. Long before his death in 597, he was regarded as a saint by his fellow monks and is today a beloved figure in Irish tradition. Also the patron saint of the IRA. I'm going with it. Probably. You've been listening to the Cock and Bull podcast, a comedy and history venture, and now a spiritual venture. I'm actually ridding all humor from this uh, to keep in line with my faith. We come out very infrequently, but I'll tell you what you can find in the near future if you want to whet your appetite. This week, I'm launching a new venture with a a pal of mine, Benjamin 
Morrison, co-writer of Cooperative Effort, guest on a number of episodes here. The two of us have a show now called One Shot, One Quill. Links to that are going to be in the description. The gist of the show, we take Twitter-suggested premises along with two mandatory magic items. And and with those, we generate a one-shot tabletop game that can be played in about an hour. Not an actual play podcast, more or less a writing brainstorming podcast. Like I said, links to that will be in the description. One Shot, One Quill, available wherever fine podcasts are sold. It's very delightful. I've already listened to the first episode. I cheated. You fucker. You didn't even tell me. Uh, you didn't tell me you were making another podcast. Seems fair. It's going to make it a surprise, but... You do realize we share the account, so I have to go in and upload the other shows. Yeah, and you you actually upload frequently, so you would have seen it. <laughs> season four. Nathan, here it comes. Get ready. On the weekly. In, here Divine we go. Miracles. Divine Miracle that one would, is an episode every week. That would literally be a miracle. Uh, we'll catch you next time, however soon that may be. Um, until then, uh, Christ be in your heart. Bye-bye! Call my name and make a wish and take a rest because it's the best thing to leave.